So gents, another podcast, and we finally managed to get an accountant to come on camera. You look online, um, it seems that everyone's favorite friend, Google, seems to point everyone in the direction of, you know, a limited company now seems to be the best vehicle for people to use. Um, you know, to, to invest in property, but that's not always the case. And obviously you need to make sure you're, you're going down the right path that, that suits your, your needs. Not often done, um, for obvious reasons that, you know, lending advice on camera is very challenging, but you've got some awesome questions. Uh, Darren Parsons is the MD of Styles & Co. Um, they've got a really good workforce. They specialize in a load of different areas as well. So I'm buzzing to talk to Darren about property related tax to the best of what he can answer. Um, what are you looking forward to, Tristan? Yeah, I mean, I've got a number of questions to, to ask him. It's been, I've been trying to get him on the show for, for a while now, as you said, so I'm really excited. And I think there's a lot of landlords out there that don't know the answers to the questions that I've got written down. So hopefully it'll, uh, it'll answer all of those questions as well. This is the thing when we designed this podcast, as we highlighted on the intro and the exit, is we wanted to make a podcast for landlords, future property investors, somewhere where they can come, they're not being sold to, they're just getting quality advice. And I think Darren is one of those people, Mike, that can give so much quality advice to people, probably more on a personal basis, but today in a general basis. So a few things I'm sure you're looking forward to as well. Yeah, he's not a stereotypical accountant. He's, he's, he's come here to, to talk about himself, he's come here to talk about the market, come here to talk about the basic advice that landlords have to know about and, and he knows it from every angle because he's a landlord himself which, which puts him in a great position to speak from the heart. 100%. Shall we get him on? Bring it on. Let's do it. So we are here with Darren and Darren is um, an awesome accountant that's going to give us some advice around property tax and just various things with numbers that hopefully is going to help the landlords watching. I am very aware that there's obviously limits to what you can talk about um, when it comes to accountancy and tax, um, but we massively appreciate you coming on camera. Before we get into the into the nitty gritty details, just give everyone a little bit of a background on you. Yep. So uh, yeah, name's Darren, as Ian said. Um, work for a firm called Styles and Company Accountants. We're based in Maidenhead. Um, firm is about 18 people strong. Um, so all different uh, experiences, specialisms, and everything there. Um, services range from personal tax, corporate tax, company accounts, audits, etc, etc. And obviously one of the things that we do get involved in with the personal tax, with the company tax, is things related to property. Um, whether it's property development, property investment. Um, so we were involved in that from the planning stage all through to reporting to, to HMRC. Um, so that's that's pretty much what we do. And that's uh, the reason why we've got you on camera. Exactly that, yeah. So Tristan's got more of the property related questions that we're gonna fire at you. But one thing we always like to ask people on these podcasts is why did you personally become a landlord? What's your story behind becoming a landlord? Yeah, so uh, kind of the story goes back a few years. Um, I, I guess I was always wary that I needed to have some kind of future income source when I was younger. Um, I think I said to myself that I would start doing something in my 20s, but the 20s became the 30s. Um, then the marriage and kids and everything took over. But it, I always had in my head that I wanted to invest in bricks and mortar because I'd seen people do well through it. Um, and always been kind of an avid believer that bricks and mortar will be 
will be a solid investment over time. You know, it, it goes up, it goes down, but it, you know, it's, it's generally a, a solid investment. Um, and, and then obviously there are a few changes that came into place. You know, you know, stamp duty changes. Um, you know, the, the, the government changing the tax relief rules on mortgage interest. Um, so I think a lot of people thought twice about you know maybe investing and becoming a landlord at that time, but kind of opportunities arose and I, I thought, do you know what, I'll go down that that road as well. So that, that's why I became a landlord. Um, I've got other other kind of irons in the fire as such and I like to you know, spread my eggs in a few basket with regards to kind of retirement plans as well. So it's not all in, you know, investment property. Um, but I do, do see it as a, uh, you know, a solid future, so yeah. I think so many people do the same thing. They kind of look at it and they see equity growth. And even when there are these hiccups in the road that the government brought us with the 3% stamp duty and things like that, the safe bet is always in, in property as long as you get the right advice and you get the right information from the outset and um, and you buy the right type of property that works for you, which we'll cover again more. So Tristan, give us some of these questions. First question is what and what circumstances would you purchase a property as an individual or under a company? Yeah, okay, so we, yeah, obviously, so, so when you're looking at buying a property, there's there's a kind of multiple circumstances which, which can obviously depend on what the right route to go is. So it can be quite complex and it's not something that someone could probably answer straight away, although you might have a, you know, a, a general idea of what the best route to go is. Um, so, you know, there'd always be tax planning involved in, in into, you know, what route is best for you. And that would always be the advice to everyone, get the right advice, don't just jump in. Um, I think when you look online, um, it seems that everyone's favourite friend, Google, seems to point everyone in the direction of, you know, a limited company now seems to be the best vehicle for people to use, um, you know, to, to invest in property. But that's not always the case. And obviously you need to make sure you're, you're going down the right path that, that suits your, your needs. Um, thing, things that people need to be aware of, um, just kind of going through it, I mean, the availability of mortgages, um, you know, I know that you guys, you know, in contact with, with mortgage advisors, but obviously there's different criteria being a limited company against being a, an individual. The interest rates associated to the mortgage, you know, I believe that they're generally higher for a, for a corporate than an individual. So that's obviously a first consideration. Um, other things are to do with, you know, you know the, the investment term itself. Are you looking for a, a short term or a long term investment? You know, as an individual, everyone gets, you know, a capital gains personal tax allowance. As a company, you don't get a, you know a tax allowance there. So if it's a short-term investment that's going to you know be a few years, you might actually lose out on the capital gains side of things there. And then kind of looking more into the limited company itself. Obviously, a limited company, the current corporate tax rate is 19% against the base rate of tax at 20%. You know, for for an individual going up to 40% as a higher rate taxpayer. So. I think initially that's where people say, okay, well, the tax rate is great for a limited company, but you can pay tax twice if you want to extract the money from the company. So again, there's other calculations that you need to put into place there. Um, and obviously you've got the mortgage interest, you know, going back over time, mortgage interest was a deduction as an expense on, on your rental profits that you're making, whereas now it's taken after your profits. As, as an allowance, but you're only getting tax relief at 20%. So a higher rate taxpayer who would want to get the tax relief at 40%, they're now capped at 20%, whereas a limited company, everything's at that one rate of tax. So again, you're gonna get the tax relief at 19%, 
on, on the limited company, but not the individual. But there are so many variables, so many things that need to be considered. So the advice to anyone it always is, get the right advice, you know, go, go to an accountant, get the tax planning done, know which route forward is, is right for you. Um, because if you make the wrong decision, it can end up kind of costing you in, uh, in tax, either now or in the future. And it, from a limited business perspective, if you've got um, someone in the trades, you know, they've had a, had a great 12 months, they've got a good sort of cash pot in, the, in their business account as such, and they're thinking, we don't want to take all of that out as dividend payments and pay a big whopping tax on it. We'd rather invest it, and they're looking at different ways to invest and being in the trades, property seems like a logical place to go um, because they could probably take something run down and they've got the contacts to do something with it. Would you advise that individual, which maybe people watching, there's a lot of those at the moment, um, a lot of people we talk to that are first-time landlords or soon-to-be first-time landlords taking that approach, buy that in their limited business? Is there other options that they could take or would you say buy that personally? Yeah, I mean, again, you'd have to run the course of the information that they've got because, you know, if the, if the individual is a higher rate taxpayer, then to withdraw the money from the company to, to invest personally would be an expensive route for yeah. them to go down. So you'd need to understand all of the information involved. But, but certainly, you know, the, the option is there to withdraw and invest personally. Probably wouldn't immediately come to mind as being the right choice. It's been popular for people to invest through their limited companies, use the money, mm -hmm. kind of to have their own pension scheme within within the company investing in property. Um, and another popular thing that people do to try and kind of, I guess, ring fence their, their business trade from an investment is you can actually loan money from one limited company to another for the other company to invest in, in, in property that way. Um, so that that's at the moment with current tax legislation, that's that's a you know an option that people do follow. Yeah, but Potent I'll, potentially yeah. it could be very fruitful from a tax perspective. But the individual would need to obviously yeah. look at the different options and see what works best for them. Yeah, exactly. I, I think in those circumstances, you're looking at making the most of your basic rate tax band. You know, dividend income as a basic rate taxpayer, seven and a half percent. So it is a low rate of tax. Mm. Um, against the potential of, of a higher rate of tax which jumps up by 25% on dividend income. So that, that would be probably the first thing that you would look at is, you know, how do you get your hands on your deposit? Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and does that deposit then become very expensive which might then prohibit moving forward with the investment? So, so you've sort of answered the question then for my next one, um, but if you just go into a bit more detail, I mean, from a, a couple looking to purchase a, a buy-to-let, what's the best tax efficiency tip you could give them yep. uh, when doing so? Yeah, I don't want to sound like a broken record, um, <laughs> but again, it's get the right advice, get the advice at the outset. Um, I guess all the variables in things that could impact your decision are doubled up when you're doing it as a partnership. So you've got two people's tax allowances to take into account, you know, you've got two people's opinions to take into account. Um, so you know, get the right advice. You know, it, you know. Sometimes it's better for one person to maybe take on the investment property rather than doing it as a couple. Looking at you know what their earnings are. Um, so it, yeah, again, just just get the right advice. Make sure you're following the right path. Okay. It's it's an interesting one because as a couple, if we said husband and wife, let's say wife is on the higher tax band, husband's on the lower tax band. Um, to be politically correct and fair. And in that case scenario, it might be that the husband is the better person to put on 
the mortgage put on the, the title deeds because from a tax perspective on the lower band it might be more tax efficient and from a mortgage perspective they're basing it on the rent anyway so um, it, it, the income nine times out of ten doesn't actually come into it so that might be the logical thing to do rather than put them on both because it's more efficient for the lower than it is the higher yes yeah that's a potential outcome yeah it's um it's obviously a, a, a big consideration <laughs> as to you know pe- people want to be efficient you know at the end of the day the reason people will invest in properties because they want to maximize their return so to maximize your return you're looking at a I want to pay the least amount to get my investment, and then I want to pay the least amount of tax to get it out. Mm-hmm. So again, that's 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 the way to look at you know, that route out. So yeah, it's interesting stuff. So overseas landlords, I'm seeing more of them more frequently um, recently, um, and a lot of UK landlords going overseas as well for work purpose, and they're looking to rent out their home. What's the best advice you can give to someone that's planning on potentially moving overseas, and what do they need to be aware of? Yeah, so I think the big the big thing that people need to be aware of is um, you know, if they're overseas for six months or more, obviously classes non-resident, and therefore um, the non-resident landlord scheme um, could potentially come up, should should come into play at that point. So if, if they register with HMRC um, and are accepted, so you know they'll they'll run criteria, you know, make sure that their taxes are up to date and they're basically viable to go onto the scheme. That then allows them to receive their rents free of any tax deduction. If they're not registered on the scheme, then they are going to suffer a 20% tax deduction, you know, either from you know the lettings agent or from the tenant themselves, that they will receive, you know, that that that, that deduction. So from a cash flow perspective, you know, you are better off to register for the scheme, get your get your you know your rents in full. And then, you, you, obviously, you still have to do a declaration for UK tax purposes, but that tax, tax declaration happens down the line. It's nine months after, you know, effectively the, the, the end of the tax year, that that payment will effectively become due. Okay. Um, and if the landlord doesn't submit the NIO one that you mentioned, who would be responsible to submit that? So who, if the, the, the actual declaration? Yeah. So, so I mean, the, the individual themselves can, you know, everything, you can do anything yourself. You don't have to go through your lettings agent or anything like that. So, so you know, the landlord themselves can self-administer, submit the scheme, submit the form. Okay. Um, it's, it's online, you know, going onto HMRC's website. Okay, so a lot of people don't aren't aware that it's the tenant's responsibility to obviously a let-only landlord, for example, yeah. to submit or, or retain the money um, and, and submit to HMRC on behalf of them if there's 20%. Um, whereas if, if it's as a managing agent, if they haven't got the NIO one code, like you said, they've been approved, then it's their responsibility to to retain and, and submit. Um, unless they've got the code, of course, then it's exempt from that, and yep. it'll be up to them to do that. So recommendation would be to, to seek advice. So, yeah, always seek advice. And I'm assuming, you know, from, from a, a lettings agent perspective, you know, you help and advise those people, the accountants help and advise these people. Unfortunately, you know, there are always people that try and do things themselves and will get things wrong. Um, but again, you know, you know, like I said, get the right advice is, is always the, the, you know, the, you know, the guidance that we would ever give, yeah. I'd be baffled if there's many tenants out there that know that. No, the amount of landlords I've spoken to that let only, not not so many, uh, there's been a couple, should I say, where they've got a let only tenant, they've had it for years and they wasn't aware of that. The tenants have obviously moved in and they're fully not aware of it. So, 
it, it's important for people to do their research and understand that really because a lot of people don't know that and that, that's why we're here today to try and share that information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly and the, and the responsibility is on the taxpayer. Um, HMRC are very you know upfront with that it's your responsibility to do it so you know if you're entering anything new you know you should always you know get you know either do your research yourself and understand it and it is like I said it's readily available online if you know anyone could go on HMRC's website understand how things work and, and do it themselves um, but equally you know, if people aren't you know capable of doing that or don't have the time to do that, um, or prefer to get specialism advice, you know, reach out, get that advice. But, um, and then yeah. that brings me on to my next one is about stamp duty. Obviously, we've seen many changes over the years, and the changes again with the stamp duty holiday um, during the COVID period. Um, the government lost out on just under half a billion pounds worth of, of revenue from that. What's your opinion on the changes? Where do you see it going in the future? Um, it's a real difficult one to, to, to kind of to see where the future brings with the stamp duty because I know that stamp duty alone is a massive revenue um, you know, in, you know, inflow that, that the country has. Um, however, you can't you know, fail to see you know, recently through the pandemic how the stamp duty holiday has helped other industries. So not directly within, you know, the stamp duty being paid, which it is being paid, um, but obviously with, you know, with, with the, the the lower rates and and you know the, the the allowances there, but other associated trades are doing well, and so it's boosting the economy in different ways. So the government, of course, are going to have to look at, analyse the data, and understand, you know what the right thing to do moving forward is. I mean, I've not heard anything further about future holidays or anything like that. Um, but I guess you can never say never, can you? Um, it's a case of, I guess, watch this space. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting read on the data though, because obviously this, the headline statement that you mentioned there that you've probably taken from an article somewhere, half a billion pounds lost. It's half a billion pounds lost on the volume of transactions that were done, and the volume of transactions that were done were much higher because of the stamp duty holidays. So it wasn't actually lost, and we saw a report at the start of the year. Was it the fourth highest or something like yeah, that? Yeah, I think or it was what? the top three highest months, or, or the third highest month of all time of stamp duty receipts were received in June. Mm. So, yeah, there's, there's media reporting. You can you can always report a, a figure in in two ways, depending on whether you want it to be positive or you want it to be negative. We've got an accountant in the room who's smiling at me as I've said yeah. that. You can you can look at something positively or negatively, and we we genuinely have the, the belief that stamp duty is a preventative tax because we've we've seen physical people moving when they wouldn't have moved, accelerating their moves, and the fifteen thousand pounds allowance that they were given has allowed them to move. And it's something that the test beds now have been done, that people would be able to move and would move more consistently if the tax was lower. And therefore, if more people move, as you said, the associated industries make more money and potentially the revenue to the exchequer goes up. Yeah, I, th I think it's a, it's a reason for a reform on it. And I think it'd be interesting to see what happens around the election time, whether one of the one of the parties kind of brings something that shows what they're looking to do with it potentially because it definitely is a restrictor and I think the average kind of rate of move is about every seven years at the moment in the UK would with that increase would people go I do need a reception room extra I do want a larger garden I do need a, a garage now for example and 
people put that off because of the stamp duty tax, you know, paying 20 grand, they think, well, it's not worth it, I might as well extend myself and put the 20 grand into an extension. And like you say, it's, it's a restrictor, it stops people doing the move. But if it was slightly different, would that still get the transactions going? Would they increase the amount of transactions, therefore not actually drop the amount of receipt they get from it, but help the economy along the way, which is the key thing. So yeah. we don't know, we don't have that crystal ball. I'd love to whop it out and go, there it is, and know the answer, but yeah, yeah it's an interesting topic. Yeah. I, I, I it is the data thing, too, because how, how much of a false bubble did it create you know how how many people moved that weren't going to move or didn't have any idea that they were you yeah. know that, that it was possible that they could afford to move. You know how much did that create? And I, I just think uh, you know it's going to involve you know reviewing the data, doing the research for the government to you know to, to even consider what what any move you know that they might take is. Yeah, yeah. Time will tell. I think the bubble, the bu the stamp duty bubble that people talk about, and a lot of people said after the stamp duty, it will happen, it will pop. Um, but the bubble was built around three different segments really it was built around the stamp duty being the catalyst of confidence it was built about the reintroduction of 10 percent and then five percent deposit mortgages the change of the interest rates meant that it was more affordable to get a mortgage and all of a sudden in a 12-month window it went from being actually cheaper to rent because you needed to have such a big deposit and the interest rates were high, that actually it was kind of almost balanced or cheaper to rent. Now it's significantly cheaper to buy and you don't need a bigger deposit to do it. That's the, the big segment, which is why the, the market is booming so much now. And the other parts of the bubble, the kind of triangle, if you like, um, is the fact that people couldn't spend money. So people saved money. And because people saved money, they couldn't go on holiday. That's where we see the trades you know, really, really popping off in terms of that economy and people having these deposits to go and make a move that they couldn't have potentially done before. So although the stamp duty part of that triangle has disappeared, the other two are very strong. And if they carry on, then that bubble hopefully will, will stay strong for the property market, I think. Yeah, I guess, I mean, at end of September, furlough comes to an end. Mm -hmm. um, and I know, you know, p people need confidence to make a, a financial move. Um, so, you know, I guess a lot of people are waiting to see, you know, are people going to lose their jobs, you know, come the start of October because, you know, the furlough support of the government goes. But then equally on the other side of it, you could say that, you know, whoever you speak to in whatever industry at the moment, people are struggling to employ people. So if there is a move of people losing their jobs through the furlough scheme ending, you know, it sounds like there are other jobs out there that people can move into. So hopefully for the industry, you know, that, you know, the confidence does remain there. I think we saw inflation drastically spike as well, didn't we? You know, news articles this this week showing that, um, which is interesting. So there's no doubt that at some point tax needs to get pulled back in some way or another. The government needs to kind of bring it back in, whether that's over a decade or however long it needs to come back in one way or another. I think I saw a Labour MP talking this morning about they were highlighting... Uh, the media were highlighting about obviously the, the lower tax rate payer being hindered by a potential hike and he was highlighting the fact that there's other ways they can tax there's people that make money that aren't employed that make money through stocks and shares through investments through ISAs through property um, so it'd be interesting to see if Labour and Conservatives are about to start talking about who is going to take the hit. Um, that was quite interesting hearing that this morning from, from a Labour MP, so yeah. we'll see. And I think, obviously, there was the uh, the big 
cabinet reshuffle wasn't there with the Conservatives yesterday as well and um, w whether it's just you know the media talk or what but they were saying that it was now the start the kickstart for the next uh, the next election mm. maybe so uh, yeah, we'll see. maybe we'll start to hear stuff you know coming up as to you know what their stances are yeah definitely the last question is about capital gains tax um, a lot of sellers out there aren't aware of having to pay within 30 days um, so I just really want to get your thoughts on this and what the penalties are for those that don't do it within the 30 day period. Yeah, so penalties start from £100 for non-compliance um, and obviously there's interest charges on late payment of tax. Um, but you know, like I said, they start from that and they, they, they move upwards from there. Um, but it is very true that it's not publicised you know, to the general public that you know, they have this, this need um, in 30 days. I think some people probably still think that it's just declared on their annual tax return so they've got you know until the 5th of April you know that, that's the tax year then they do their declaration by, by the end of January and then you've got some people that probably just are completely unaware that they've got to declare the, uh, the revenue anyway <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah I, I think it's, it's, it's very very apparent that there are going to be a lot of people that are going to fall foul of this um, and it's looking at you know I, I guess how how do people educate you know these people that are selling their their investment properties and I guess us as accountants we've got responsibilities you know to educate our clients um, I guess you guys involved in the industry you know you're involved in transactions so you know educating the people that end and then I guess you know the, the, the conveyances as well you know I think you know that there's you know levels of responsibility that everyone can have to educate you know the people of what their responsibilities are and I guess just hope that they take it on board and, and do what they need to do. So yeah. There's been some fantastic old wives' tales around estate agency and around sellers about principal residence relief, which just sometimes just blow your mind. You'll see people moving back into a property for three days, registering with the council tax and then saying, but I lived there last. I don't have to pay capital gains tax because it was my home, yeah. uh, which are just classics, which is, I, I genuinely believe a lot of people in the state agency still believe that's yeah a, a way around tax. Yeah, we get a lot of it. It's, I, I generally kind of refer to it as pub talk. You know, yes. my, my mate down the pub says this. Um, principal place of residence relief is apparent you know when you live there um but there's set guidelines that you've got to follow and obviously you know get the advice work out the calculation and it's important that people understand and go back and have a timeline of you know when did they actually live in the property and and some some of the investors that i've spoken to over the years that calculation is why it's so important to talk to an accountant because wives tales pub talk whatever they just don't understand how that calculation is worked out. Some people think it's the difference between the mortgage and the price they sold it for, for example, but they've refinanced a couple of times and people just don't realise what the calculation actually sits like, so what the number is, which is why talk to an accountant hopefully that saves you money or doesn't get you in trouble basically yeah exactly i, th I think you know people you know don't understand the reliefs can so can ultimately end up in um you know paying you know the wrong amount of tax yeah. too much tax yeah um but you've also got the peace of mind side of things as well um you know you know you know that things are being done correctly and therefore you can you can go ahead and you can you know, you can spend your money uh, and not have this fear in the back of your mind that, you know, you've submitted your own tax return, you've done it wrong, mm. and, you know, someone's going to come knocking. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So this is 
one of the favourite parts of the podcast. Mike's quick fire round and uh, going to put Darren on the spot with a few things. So over to you. It's an opportunity to take your accountant's hat off and you can give your opinion rather than having to stick to the guidelines of, uh, of having to take personal advice on it. So it's purely coming from Darren, not Darren the accountant right <laughs> here, right now, as a landlord, as a property investor, as a local. First question, what do you think happens next in the property market? Um, I'll be honest, haven't a clue. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm an avid follower of the property market. I'm one of the, the, the lovers of, of going on to right move and, and looking at properties and seeing prices and stuff like that. So, you know, I kind of take my, my gauge from that a lot of the time as to what's to happen with it. Um, the government obviously still are trying to push, you know, first time buyers, for instance. That's very much in, in the public domain of what they're, you know, what they're trying to do. And I think, as Ian said earlier, mortgages becoming more more achievable for people, you know, with lower deposits, you know, is there. But uh, apart from that, um, I, I, you know, I don't know, I don't have a crystal ball and uh, I'm not going to, uh, you know, say that I'm a, a property expert as such, I'll leave that to you guys, so yeah. So if you invested in a property tomorrow, what does the perfect deal, what does the perfect buy-to-let investment look like for you? So on, on, a, on a personal level, um, you know, obviously I'm... Uh, two children you know work full time so you know I'm, I'm pretty busy you know all the time so any investment for me I'm looking at something that's fairly streamlined fairly hassle free um, you know so you know from from you know from offer you know I, you know, I want it to, to obviously run smoothly but you know once once keys are handed over I don't want there to be lots of work um, and I don't want there to be lots of problems. So um, for me, it would it, it would be the same as what I've done. You know, find a nice property, get the advice on the property. You know, before buying it, get the right management company involved in it, and then hopefully, you know, let, let it let it run its course. Um, you know, I think it's important, you know, to have the right people in that chain, you know, from getting the right tenant in there that's going to be in there for the long term, you know, that's going to look after, you know, my investment, you know, for me. Um, so that, that, that really is... Yeah, I think, that, I think that's something a lot of people can relate, relate to. I think the, the phrase landlord conjures up ideas of Bentley driving, fat old men collecting money off poor tenants but a lot of people are just purely there to provide accommodation on a long-term investment because you're working full-time as you said you've got family you've got other commitments you've got nine to five and then five to ten of looking after everything you don't need to be doing everything around the property and, and, and maximizing the profit when you know the house value will probably double in 15 years time and with the way that mortgages are as you've said earlier you make you can't fail but make money on a monthly basis, yeah. and, and and keep it as as, as hands off as possible. So yeah. I think it's a, something that particularly in the southeast a lot of people can can, can relate to. Yeah, and trust me, with my DIY skills, they wouldn't put me anywhere near the property as well. <laughs> so I think it's it's so common for people that have got the aspiration to buy a buy to let or, or two or three, whatever it turns out to be, that have got kids on the school journey that hassle free we just see it time and time again especially around this area around the home counties and then maybe things change when someone's you know retired or kids have, have moved out etc and they've got more hands-on approach to be able to manage it so yeah it's very very common 
Yeah. I also think sometimes that distance with the, the tenant as well helps because sometimes they probably wouldn't feel that they could be open with me about things. Whereas having a you know, management agent in between, you know, maybe you know, they can feel honest with them and then the management agent has a relationship with me. So you know, things can get answered maybe a bit easier that way as well. I think that's a great shout because I think landlords underestimate good tenants that have had bad experiences with let-only landlords that have had bad experiences with certain estate agents will not do it again and one of the things that we often get asked by a tenant is who's managing the property you know it it is something they want to know and a lot of tenants will not view properties through estate agents that have had bad property management scenarios with so uh, especially as it becomes sometimes very difficult for certain tenants to go and purchase properties for the way that deposit levels change. It's low at the moment, but it hasn't always been. Um, so it is, it is a really important point, I think, because yeah. landlords sometimes underestimate that they don't want the direct contact with the landlord because it's sometimes really difficult to reach them and they'd rather have someone that they can speak to within reason 24-7. Yep. So last question. From your experience as a homeowner, landlord, What's the best part? What's the best single piece of property advice you would give someone today? So, on an investment basis, get the right people involved in the transaction to get the right advice. Um, and I'm not just talking about you know the tax planning advice that we would give. You know, get get the you know get get you guys involved. You know, get the right mortgage advisor involved. You know, I think if you've got the right people around you, you'll make the right decisions. So you know, use the right people for the right jobs get that kind of trusted power team we've, we've spoke about it before and on our first podcast with Akil from our mortgage broker is one of the things that he was um, very very keen to enforce is having that kind of power team of people those trusted yep. people that you can refer back to and ask for the right advice yeah we're forever doing it with clients because obviously when it comes to say the mortgage side of things you know you know people need to prove income when they're getting their mortgages and I'm always very pro you know I call it just setting up a triangle with them so you know we link the mortgage advisor in with you know with our client and with us so we're open and we can we can make the trans you know the transaction happen much smoother um, so just 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 link, yeah, linking in the right people getting the flow of information you know yeah. easier um, it gets you gets you through things easier as well so yeah, yeah definitely all done lovely stuff um, there's some great value in there and appreciate your time and I know it's difficult as an accountant to actually go on camera and talk about these things because each piece of advice is so individual to each person but there's some great information now I've made a few notes myself on, on a couple of bits that I wasn't aware of so hopefully everyone watching has taken some good value um, love doing these podcasts and getting an education ourselves as well as the people watching so really appreciate your time and um, we'll speak again soon next time we've got a client that needs some accountancy advice we'll send them your way yeah 100% always more than than happy to help people so um, yeah anything that that people need um, you know I I assume you're going to put the contact details out yeah so um, Styles and Co obviously website email landline um, anyone can reach you on on those contact details I'm sure exactly yeah perfect thank you very much guys Thank 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 you cheers That's a wrap. I love that podcast. Um, It's great to see an accountant on camera. Um, Darren's obviously a really good guy, but what I also like is is that classic demographic of someone that's trying to invest in property where kids are on the school journey. Um, I was also quite interested to see for for the business owners out there, people who have got limited businesses that have got cash in their business accounts, 
the different options that people have got if they did want to invest in property. Um, savings aren't making money and I love the fact that he highlighted it might not be a case of buying for your own limited business, probably not tax efficient to withdraw the money and invest it personally, but potentially you could set up another limited business and lend the money to them to make it a more tax efficient vehicle to purchase property. So that was something that I took away that I think there's gonna be loads of people watching which will um, will want to know more information and obviously reach out to us and we'll sort that out. What about yourself, Tristan? Definitely, I think there's a, a few points and that being one of them, but I think it'd be interesting to see what happens with the stamp duty, obviously the change that's happened and how the economy has been with the number of transactions going on. So it'd be interesting to see what happens moving forwards um, over the next year and, and five years, I should imagine, um, because it's it's all going to obviously move forward and, and hopefully it will help people continue to move. Yeah, it's a um, difficult one because no one knows the answer, but it's great to get people in different industries' opinion on it. Definitely. Yeah, and sure. I think the other thing that I, I, I'm looking forward to is that there's a lot of sellers out there that don't realise about the capital gains tax. So I think there's going to be a lot of people that have maybe missed that boat and want to seek advice. Mm. And if not, they might be in the process of selling or planning on selling, so they just need to seek the advice and see where they stand with things. But um, I think it's interesting to see people's thoughts on that. Definitely. I think your most recent update that you guys did, 11% of transactions were landlord sales. So there's a lot of people out there. I'm not sure all of them know about the 30-day um, Definitely not. What about yourself, Mike? Um, on a personal level, I think it's interesting always to see that an accountant's mind always works in, in, in figures and numbers, but the journey that he's on on a family basis and why he's invested in property is really interesting and I think it really resonates with, with a huge amount of clients in our area. Absolutely. So it's another podcast. We've got an accountant on. If you're watching and there's a certain type of industry, a certain person that you want us to get on this podcast, by all means, throw it in the comments and uh, we'll do our best. Tristan was very persistent getting an accountant on. So we have our ways and um, hopefully people are taking value from these. If you've got questions for any of our guests or for us as the hosts, we're always happy to have those conversations with you. So feel free to DM us, contact us on the details within the video. And of always, thanks for watching and hopefully we'll see you again soon. I'm flicking through YouTube and through Spotify. I don't think there's a podcast or a video channel on YouTube that landlords could land on where they're not being sold something. I mean, it'd be the first time any estate agents ever asked that question, but why not ask that question to a wider audience? They agents have the knowledge there, but they don't seem to share it. You can do different episodes based around someone that wants an exit plan or someone that's just starting their portfolio. The rules change every year. Yeah. But why not just open the floor out and just say, well, is property even the best investment out there? And tax advice is a big thing, especially with everything that's changed, capital yeah. gains tax, and obviously your stamp duty costs that you need to pay and whatnot. People don't realise what they need to prepare for. We build a podcast, and we build a YouTube channel, somewhere that landlords can go and they feel they're not being sold to, but they're just getting quality advice.